Welcome to my podcast. When you're listening, I just ask that you keep an open mind. First and foremost, know that I'm not an expert. I make tons of mistakes. But I just wanted to share the wisdom of the people in my life. Thanks for listening. everybody welcome to my podcast i've got a lovely guest here with me and a longtime friend um it's courtney say hey to everybody hi everyone <laughs> so um yeah me and courtney both went to the same high school and i feel like i've had similar experiences um because we did have a lot of overlap with like the friend group that we were in and we were just exposed to a lot of like well-intentioned white friends who just weren't racially conscious. And I just wanted to talk about a little bit about like how microaggressions and how like unintentional racist experiences emerge from these friendships and like what our expectations are for our white friends and just like well-intentioned white people who support Black Lives Matter. But yeah, we're just gonna go right into it. So I guess I just wanna know what your perception is or if you can like think of or remember any experiences that you had in high school where you were ever put in an, an uncomfortable situation or if anything was said about you or um, around you that made you feel uncomfortable that was like racially charged. I think the first thing that comes to mind is I've always been told that I'm not really black. Mm -hmm. And that really bothers me because I know that they mean well when they say that because they're saying that I'm an exception. Mm -hmm. um, saying that I'm good, which means that they equate blackness to being bad. Right. And um, that takes my blackness away from me. And I, I don't appreciate that at all. Because to me, blackness is a positive thing. Mm -hmm. We experience the world because we are black, mm -hmm. sometimes negative. But that isn't because I am black. That's because the way that other people interpret blackness. And when they say that I'm not really black, it means that they're furthering that narrative. Yeah. I've had a, a many similar experiences where people would say, and it's, I definitely feel like one, it's influenced because I'm biracial and, and light skinned. Um, but also, too, I latched on to a lot of white people and they would tell me, oh, well, Tyler, you're not black. To be able to essentially, in some circumstances, excuse them like saying shit about black people, they'll be like, oh, well, Tyler, you're not black. And it's very much so that energy of like, you're exceptional. You are one of the few who's made it, quote unquote, that's like, ex that is performing whiteness that to um, basically to be accepted into white spaces. And I've always felt some type of way about it. And I really had a hard time growing up, like standing up to those statements. I don't know about you. I felt a lot of pressure to just like acclimate to my yeah. white friends. I will say that um, I think that at our high school, there's a lot of use of the N word. That's true. And there's this girl who I was good friends with at the time, and she asked me why why it was offensive. 
Mm -hmm. I tried to explain that this is a word that was intended to oppress Black people historically. And her response was that it shouldn't matter because I wasn't one. I wasn't an N-word. That it's a certain Mm -hmm. type of person, whether you're Black or white, that's an N-word. And Mm -hmm. that I would be offended when she used it. I see. Yeah. Um, I remember being around a lot of people saying the N-word. And not, I never heard anyone say the hard R around yeah. me, but people would absolutely say it with like the A. Singing along to songs or just like calling their friends, their white friends, even some of their black friends that. Yeah. Or having the N-word pass. Oh, yeah. What's that about, do you think? I, I know a lot of people that did that. They're like, my, this person can say that. Yeah. They're, they're um, my there's this one guy I remember who said the N-word, and I asked him why he said it. And he said that his friend, whoever, said that he was allowed to say it. Mm. And I, I just told him that it offends me whether or not his friend lets him say it or not when he's in his presence. And I think right. that's like really confusing because you have some people that say, oh, it's fine. You're not using it in a derogatory way, so it shouldn't offend anyone. But you have the vast majority of people who don't agree with that, and it's still offensive. The thing is, it's like, why are white people assuming that black people think it's a collective? Just because your one black friend gave you a pass to say anything, quite frankly, doesn't mean that any other black person is going to agree and accept that stamp of approval from your black friend. We don't know him. I, I do not know this man. I don't know him. So, yeah. But that's definitely something that was common in our high school. And I just remember people just being openly racist. I can remember in high school, I can't remember which one of the, it might have been um, Trayvon Martin. Mm-hmm. A lot of my friends were like problematic about that. I can remember them saying like, well, wh- well, why did he fight back? Why was he resisting? Um, and just having to just like sit in the presence of my friends who were completely, they were missing the point and also just like missing how much it was hurting me to have to defend this black person's humanity. And I feel like I'm looking at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram now and seeing those same people posting like they're doing the blackout, whatever the social media thing is, for the first time saying Black Lives Matter. And I'm just like, how do I reconcile this growth? Is it performative? Or, I mean, should I accept it for its face value? Because a lot of these same people were the ones who were saying violent shit in high school. Yeah. It's hard to know whether it's actually growth. Mm Mm-hmm. Or whether it's just, this is what everybody's doing right now, so let me just do that too. Yeah. There was a lot. I mean, wow. This moment feels special and different because I feel like there really is the raising of consciousness for a lot of white people. Uh, but I'd, I'd, I question if everyone's consciousness is being raised or it's fear of being being judged as a racist because they're not doing something. Um, and just posting on social media really is not shit to me if you're not like 
promoting the voices of black activists if you're not using your privilege to check your family members if you're not supporting black businesses or not that you have to do all of those things but you need to be making an intentional effort to do something besides just post a hashtag once i mean the media hypes it up to the point where you can't ignore it um yeah so i guess just like what 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 should we expect from our white friends specifically our white friends because this is something i've struggled with I expect my white friends to be anti-racist. And yeah. um, Explain I've had, what anti-racism is for a second, for people that don't know. Yeah, so a lot of people will say that they're not part of the problem because they aren't racist. But I feel like the racism is so systemic in America that it's not enough to just be not racist, that you have to be actively against racism, that you have to work against it. Mm -hmm. I think that's a daily process. Yeah. And to me, if my friends can't actively be anti-racist, then they're not really my friends. Because if you can see the pain that I'm in, if you can see what's happening to people who look like me, to people in general, and you don't feel compelled to do something about it, then those are not my people. Mm -hmm. And I will say that this, um, within the past few weeks, this has been the first time that I've let my friends know that if they have a problem with being anti-racist, then we can't be friends anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that in the past, I let a lot of things slide um, because they didn't feel like racism affects them. But I also know that the type of friend I am, if it was the other way around, then I would always show up for them. So it's not too much to ask for them to do the same. Yeah, no, um, that's exactly how I feel. And I feel just like you said, that I have been giving a lot of my white friends passes because my assumption is that they're well-intentioned. In fact, I know most of my friends are well-intentioned and loving people, um, but they are blinded oftentimes by their white privilege. And now it's come to a point where I have to submit myself to being uncomfortable and check people regularly and tell them, like, if you're not willing to put in the work, I will cut you. Like, our friendship is a privilege, yeah. um, and I want I want us to be friends. Um, I just want you to use the privilege that you have to make sure that we can live in a more equal society. And and while we're on that, privilege is not just not just about race. I mean, we all have a privilege, whether it may not look like it. Um, and sort of piggybacking off of like anti-racism, you have to be like anti-transphobic, anti-homophobic, anti-sexist. Um, if you have privilege, it is it is our responsibility to shield those who don't. Um, and this is just a, this is just a conversation that's being raised right now because we're in the midst of um, a white supremacy pandemic. I, I guess you could call it that. And we're having these conversations really for the first time and people are listening. But it's intersectional. We also need to be talking about sexism and homophobia and transphobia and colorism. Black people, we're not we're not excused from discrimination. And the Black Lives Matter mu movement also has to discuss how light skin and mixed race black people who are light skin, we have privilege over our darker complected brothers and sisters and people. And we have to use that privilege to protect each other. Um, but as far as white friends, I'm getting completely off subject. 
I have said this, I think, in the past podcast, but I really think that white, my white friends right now should be doing at least two or four things. Um, I think the four things were like amplifying the voices of black activists on social media so we can be organized, donating to black causes, black businesses, um, checking their family members and racist friends on social media, calling people up if they know they've done something or are racist and stop supporting racist organizations. Like stop going to businesses that we know donate to anti-black causes. We need to, we need to be better about that. Um, there was another one too. I can't think, but yeah, I really think for all of my white friends, I expect a lot because I've expected so little in the past. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't think that it is really a lot. It shouldn't be a burden to be a decent human being. Yeah, that's true. Um, have you had to cancel any of your friends? Um, I've had to cancel, yeah, one of my friends for sure. Do you, what was the specific reason, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, so the specific reason was that I had, I've been pretty vocal on social media recently. Mm -hmm. So I posted a status about um, white people being anti-racist. Mm -hmm. person who I worked with, you know, I had gone out with, we were really, really good friends. He commented on the status and was just basically challenging my views and putting words in my mouth, he turned it into something that I hadn't even said. Mm -hmm. And um, about an hour later, he texted me. So mm -hmm. this was a private conversation. And he just said something along the lines of, I didn't mean to attack you on social media, but I wanted to check some of the things that you were saying. And he said that he did this because um, of the profession I want to enter. He wanted to make sure that my claims were factually correct. Oh, wow. So I have two issues with this. The first one, obviously, if you're not being racist, if you are being anti-racist, then this status was not for you, and you mm -hmm. shouldn't have a problem with me saying anything about it. Mm -hmm. The other thing is that as someone, as a white man trying to come to me to correct me about mm -hmm. my experience as a black woman, and to admit that he was checking me, whatever that was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. it, it was both like a race thing, it was a gender thing, and it just really put me off. Right. And I realized that some of his views before didn't align with mine, but it, it wasn't anything that was racist. It wasn't anything that was homophobic. It was something, some things that we could just agree to disagree on. But this was absolutely not one of them. Yeah. Um, and this is why I say that we have to talk about these issues intersectional because your experience as a black woman is unique and you can be subject not only to white supremacy, but to sexism. Um, and that definitely, that remark definitely seemed like it was loaded with sexism that he needed to check you because he, the profession you're going into, he, cause somehow he must know so much about law. <laughs> I'm assuming it's he, him, we can use yeah. they, them. Um, yeah, that's fucked. Um, luckily, none of my friends have had the audacity to like pop off on me or like check me, quote unquote. But what I've been canceling people for, I don't know how you feel about this, is like silence. 
Yeah. Like no post about Black Lives Matter, no nothing on their page, but like they're active. Like they're posting shit that's just like their life has continued to go on. I, f- I don't know if it's entitled to feel like we, you need to say something right now. Is it entitled of me to think of my white friends say something? Like acknowledge this, this pain, acknowledge your privilege, acknowledge what's going on. I think that silence right now is a form of violence. Mm-hmm. There's no way to not know what's going on. You can't use the excuse that you're ignorant. It's right here in front of you. So if you still choose not to say anything, then that, that's an issue. And I've also deleted some friends or friends or old friends from high school Mm -hmm. who have thought that it was the right time to bring on black on black crime. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, let's talk about black on black crime for just one second. When people are out in the streets protesting about the sanctity of black life, The black-on-black crime is still a conversation and a matter of white supremacy. The conditions that cause this so-called black-on-black crime that we're talking about, this is inhibited by white supremacy. This is inhibited by racist housing policies, racist educational policies, racist healthcare policies that have dismantled black communities across this country and made it to where these issues are happening. So when we're talking about white supremacy, black-on-black crime is... This is also a symptom of that. So I don't even want to hear this argument. And when I do hear this argument, it's just like a racist dog whistle. Absolutely. And I don't, yeah. um, Moral of the story is I've had to cancel a lot of my white friends, but there are a lot of white friends of mine that are doing great work and have been checking in on me and being vocal and donating money and I really appreciate them. It's just, it's a shit time to be alive right now with everything that's going on. It is. (laughs) (laughs) I've had um, a couple of friends that I really appreciate reaching out to me um, just to ask what they should be doing, not in a way that uh, makes me do the heavy lifting because they're aware that that's their job. Yeah. Just want to have conversations, want to have resources. And I think that's a really good place to start also. Yeah. I mean, I've been really open about just like sharing resources on my social media for people that want to either read or to look up places to donate. Um, But for white people, just like be conscious that your black friends don't owe you a response right now about what you should be doing. If they are giving you resources and stuff, that's amazing. And that means they really care and want you to educate yourself and and benefit this movement and the cause. But nobody owes you anything. Right. Um, and a lot of people, including myself, especially when this was beginning, I was just in a place where I wasn't wanting to respond to people. I was just needing to be off of my phone and just like, especially off of social media and just chill for a second because it was really heavy when everything first started rolling in. So yeah, be patient and also be vocal and be intentional and don't expect any praise. Right. This is the bare minimum. Yeah. I didn't have to say thank you for just being anti-racist. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've said thank you to my, my friends just because I really appreciate 
I, I, it's me just thanking them for feeling seen um, to my white friends, but no thanks is owed, really, because y'all are doing the minimum. And whenever I can use my privilege, I try to stand up um, and use it. And I think that's that's just what's happening right now. Of course, people are texting me right now. I intentionally have not said thank you, even though I felt pushed to do so sometimes, just because I just want it to be a point that this is just basic human decency. Courtney has brought favorite quote. Oh, yours. He's going to read it for us, and then we're going to sign off. Okay, so this quote is from one of my favorite books, Beloved by Toni Morrison. And the quote is, freeing yourself was one thing, claiming ownership of that free self was another. Thank you.